Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Geek Rant, episode 360. Getting old is it for the week. Recorded June 2nd, 2019, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. Element OP.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Drive Time Radio for Geeks. I am your host, Mark. On rare occasions these days, known as the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel, and joining me this week, as they always do, except when we weren't here, like last week, are your two stalwart co-hosts, Th- Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson, and Miles, the Aussie Junior Wakeham. Hello, gentlemen. Yay! Nicknames are back. Woohoo! Yeah, temporarily. <laughs> howdy, howdy. Yeah, I just, uh, I've memorized that. It requires too much effort to, to do anything else. So Right. Um, so that just going to get her out there. Getting old isn't for the week. Um, I'm getting old and it's hard. Uh, in the last two weeks, I have had minor slips on wet surfaces and fallen twice. And that's the kind of thing you expect an old guy to say, you know, I was in my kitchen and I slipped and fell, but it's happening to me on, on seemingly a regular base, apparently once a week now for the rest of my life, I'm going to slip on something and fall. And you know, when you're little and you fall, you just jump back up. But now that I'm 48, 47, yeah, 47, when you slip and fall, you feel it for days. It's it's crazy how that works. But at least you, at least it wasn't, I've fallen and I can't get up. That's true too. So, oh, you're no. reading my mind, Seth. <laughs> so I'm down in the basement today and I slip on a puddle of water, which is how I discover my air conditioner is leaking. Um, that's, you know, unpleasant. Um and there was just a big thump and my, my girls are all upstairs, one, one floor above me. And they say, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm very much not okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Do you, do you have the same sort of water backup problems we get with air conditioners where you got to get the shop vac out and suck the whatever they call that drip line out of there well this is one of those little portable units that you vent out the window the stand-up guys and it's uh it's got a reservoir in it that collects the water and you take it outside and you dump it and typically i do that a couple of times a year but here lately the like, like in the last two months the humidity here has been even more intense than normal so i've been emptying it multiple times a day um and apparently at some point in the dragging it outside to empty it i cracked the basin uh and so now it does i mean it's not a not a big crack but now it doesn't hold water at all it dumps it right out onto the ground so the the mitigation i've come up with is if i pull the plug out of it and just put a bucket under it and let it drip straight into the bucket i could use my air conditioner but if i try to plug it it drips out the crack somewhere i'm sure if i search hard enough i'll be able to find the crack and epoxy it but for now the bucket is working yeah, that's Alrighty. what you need to do. Bush fix it. Yeah, that's uh, that's Tightwad Tech approved right there. <laughs> yes, sir. So, uh, Seth, you, uh, if I can remember your Facebook post correctly, John Wick 3, they really Johned the Wick out of it. Yes, they did. Um, I, so I, I went and saw it, you know, because, and it takes place like um, John Wick 2 just ended so in much the same way it was like Back to the Future 2 and 3 um, I think they did that you know so it like started or 1 and 2 uh, so it starts immediately after the end and it goes through and it's just over the top John Wickin stuff uh, there's some really cool scenes um, and then there's some callback like there's this one line so you know it's just a line of dialogue but John Wick is talking to this person and the guy says so what do you need and he says guns lots and lots of guns and so you know you get that matrix callback and so there's some fan service like that in the film um, good and it is set up there will be a John Wick 4 um, they're probably already working on it so it was so far it's been pretty true or the story has been kind of um they've maintained the continuity so in a way i didn't think they would be able to do looking forward to john wick 4 you go see if you liked john wick 1 and 2 go see john wick 3 because it's more of the top over the top action there's lots of killing um and there's several scenes that are set up to make it more like a music video stylized 
dancing gunfighting. Like there's this one scene where they're uh, where they enter the they enter this room and then they stop and pose, and it's just for that shot to look cool. And you realize it, and when you go, oh, that's a cool shot, and that's the only reason they had them do that because they go in and they stop with their guns all pointing in a different direction, and it was really visually stunning um anyway so like i say go see john wick uh three if you liked john wick one and two so i know nothing about john wick i haven't seen any of them i don't i I, i'm not even sure i've ever seen ever seen a preview of it what give me the 30 second rundown of what john wick who john wick is Okay, so he is apparently this uber assassin underworld, you know, big bad wolf kind of thing. And he had retired and gotten out and did some type of thing to get out. And then the reason he got out was because of a woman and then she had died. And so he got pulled back in because of this stupid thing. And so now he's back in the world. And then because of... um because of some circumstances now he's like on the run from the underworld that he just recently got back into so oh so it's a completely unique story and unlike anything i've ever seen before pretty much yeah yeah that sounds With awesome reeves yeah so uh, along those lines my wife was watching something on the hallmark channel uh the other day and I, I passed through the room and i saw the hallmark channel logo in the bottom of the screen and i said oh is this the one where there's some sort of misunderstanding and she said, yeah. Oh, then I've seen that one. And then continued on through the room. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about a couple of movies really quickly. Uh, one is on Netflix, a Netflix original, The Highwayman, uh, starring uh, um, uh, Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson. And they uh, play the uh, Texas Rangers that took down Bonnie and Clyde. And so it is not the Bonnie and Clyde story. It's the story of the men who chased Bonnie and Clyde, but the story of Bonnie and Clyde is, is weaved through it. Uh, it is a slow paced, um, lots of still shots, lots of shots of just guys sitting around in the Alabama heat sweating. Um, it's really good. The, the, it's well-written. It's well-acted. Um, if you, if you can, if you can get past the fact that it's slow, I mean, it, I kind of like movies like that sometimes, uh, where you don't have to be paying attention to every shot. Um, but it's really good. There's some good jokes in there about them, you know, being old guys. Woody Harrelson has to pee every five minutes and, um, and, uh, they, you know, seriously, a big time badasses in their day 40 years ago right they they go to show off their gun tricks and can't hit the broadside of a barn you know there's some <laughs> some little things like that but also the um there's a lot about how bonnie and clyde were sort of not really the first but the the last really of the outlaw celebrities uh, and how you know women dressed up like bonnie and and they and uh clyde was like writing op-ed pieces for national uh, newspapers and that sort of thing. So in that way, it was a really, really interesting sort of character study. Um, I enjoyed it. You may enjoy it as well. Huh. And then the other one was the Lego movie too. I loved the Lego movie. It was, it was unique. It was original. It was funny. It was heartwarming. And this one is a sequel. So it has none of that. <laughs> Everything you liked about the Lego movie, we did. So this is all the stuff you didn't yeah. like about it. This, this is just more self-referential cash grab. Let's be clever to be clever. And it's not working clever. I, I didn't dislike it. My my 11-year-old, almost 11, has watched it twice now. She loved it. So it's a kid's movie. But the first one was a kid's movie that worked for adults. This one's a kid's movie. So ah. that's all I have to say about that. Okay. And then Miles, uh, you just have here. It says question about the show. What is your question, Miles? I, I have I've had this question and keep forgetting to ask because I don't ever think I've heard the answer to this over the three hundred and something show episodes. Where did the theme music come from for the show? Um, it came from a search of royalty free music, um, <laughs> and I liked it. And that's all there is to it. It's uh, uh, the I, I I have this posted because I have to uh, online somewhere. I have to go find the forum thing, but I believe the artist is called Freight Train Jones, uh, and I just like the music. 
And that yeah. was all there is to it. Okay, that's good. I, it was just a curiosity. I thought, well, that's really cool. I mean, it's actually quite strong intro music compared to a lot of podcasts I listen to. And I thought, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty nice. I mean, I've, I don't know if you've encountered the same thing, but periodically I watch people's YouTube channels and listen to podcasts, and I keep coming across them using the same music for different shows. Yeah. And it's really, it's really embarrassing. You're thinking, hang on, that's not your music. That's somebody else's, you know, and being a musician, it's kind of like, well, why don't you get a musician to put something together, you know? Anyway. I, I'm kind of picky about that. Each of my shows has unique intro music. Each one is very different for, if you go back and look at the historical shows, I think I've done 11 different named podcast over over the years each one has its own music each one has its own style uh they tend to be very guitar heavy because i like guitar music um but yeah I, I take pride in that i get some guff occasionally from the millennials who can't wait 30 seconds for something and they say the music <laughs> is too long and that you need you know no more than 10 seconds of music uh i like a nice intro and outro so yeah there you go no i think it works you know it's it's, it is the signature of the show. You hear that music and you know what you're going to be listening to. Yeah, and because it is royalty-free and it's out there, I, there may be somebody else using it, um, but maybe not. And, and I, trend, I like to try to cut – I like to try not to use the beginning or ending of a song because for that reason, I want to pick a, an interesting piece in the middle. Uh, in this particular case, it is the beginning and ending of the song that I use, but uh, that I just like it. I like the black helicopter and the, the – uh, um, ask not what your country can do for you. You know, we talk about a lot of historical sort of stuff, so it seemed to fit. And so there Ooh. you go. That's the answer to the question. Very cool. Thank you. Listening audience, what questions do you have? We have been doing this a very long time now. And, um, you know, I'm sure that you have some questions like that. And Miles is a host of the show and didn't know the answer to that. So <laughs> uh, let us know what you think. <laughs> All right, so let's move finally into the news part of the show. Um, I, I, I haven't read this article. I don't know what it is. I just like Seth's intro to it. If Comcast doesn't know it's lobbying, is it still wrong? Yeah, so um, this is an Ars Technica piece where basically shareholders are like clamoring for Comcast that it should stop being secretive about its lobbying activity. And Comcast comes back is guys, we're not being secretive. We just do so much of it. We don't know where all we do it anymore. So, um, it can't disclose its lobbying because it would be too hard. He <laughs> hit it too far, you know, so it's too hard to, I mean, we just pay these lobbyists and you know, we're, we're raking you for profits and we got to do something with it. So, you know, lobbyists, you know, they need, they need work too. So they can't just go look at the checks they've written and just say this was the one. <laughs> well, when you write that many, apparently <laughs> it's just, it's too hard. I just I thought that was quite comical that their defense for not disclosing is it would be too hard to uh, list them all. You know, but there, we're not being secretive. There are certain companies that just suck, and everybody knows they suck. The company knows they suck, but we just have to live with them. Um, uh, Comcast is on that list. AT and T is on that list. They are terrible companies, and the companies know they're terrible companies. But they have no incentive to not be terrible anymore because we have to use them. eBay is another great example. eBay is a terrible company. They do terrible things. They, but you have to do it because really they're, all, they're the only name in electronic payments right now. And so, you know, others have tried, but nobody's beat them. They're just, and Comcast is just one of those juggernauts that you just have to deal with. You just have to eat the, the turd sandwich. And accept it. And even Comcast knows that they're a terrible company. And, and you know, when they make a statement that says, um, we're so bad at our job that we don't even know who we're bribing, um, that that's an admission that they're a terrible company. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times you would say, God, you know, and this, do I, are they so incompetent that, you know, the sad part is they are so incompetent that, that a, a rational, you know, the five rational people in America who are left will read this story and go, 
A lot of companies, I wouldn't believe that. But coming from Comcast, that that's a viable defense strategy for them. And you know, so maybe they're being secretive, and they're you know maybe they're not incompetent. They're just genius masquerading as incompetent, so they won't be held to the same standards of everybody else. I that may actually work for them. Um, at this point, they're kind of like Google. You know, when Google, when somebody slaps them around or whatever, they just say. Pfft. That's their response. <laughs> and, you know, Comcast yeah. is kind of getting to that point. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? You want a $2 billion fine? Fine. Yeah, take that out of petty cash. Yeah. It just means what, we're going to raise everybody's rates. What's really bizarre to me is that, um, <laughs> that, that they, they're like the heavy hand of government is the focus of this that the fact that they have to lobby anything because they're not competitive is kind of a big issue, but that's the market we have, isn't it? We're not free market anymore. So what do you do? Well, we are free market in everything except places where the government doesn't want us to be a free market. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And you know, at least Comcast is making money. Uber, on the other hand, they're just losing a billion dollars, and yeah. they're fine with that. Yeah, so, you know, we used to do all those stories about how BlackBerry, they lost $3.2 billion this quarter, you know, whatever. So, apparently, when BlackBerry went under, all the executives went over to Uber, and Uber, at, this is its first filing post-IPO, and they lost $1 billion, with a B, dollars. And their stock prices went up. How can, how do you lose a billion dollars? I had it sitting right here, boss. I don't know. (laughs) A billion dollars. How? You know, I mean, so does this mean that, you know, one, you know, guys, if we just, you know, if, if we cut the cappuccino in the bathrooms, you could still get in the break room, just can't get in the bathrooms anymore. That'll shave off like at least a million or two. And then does this mean that how much people pay for Ubers is artificially low because there's a price war between Uber, Lyft, and all the other little niche players. And that, you know, once the dust settles and there's only one or two left, you know, it'll be $15 to take an Uber two blocks, you know, or, you know, does this just mean that this is a company and everybody's being greedy and they're paying off all the people who were there with bonuses and stuff. And that if they really want to be a company, they need to grow up and show some fiscal responsibility. No, they're absolutely trying to put cab companies out of business that's their model that's what they want to do they want to come in and put cab companies out of business then they have a monopoly then they're comcast and then they can do whatever they want and and wall street is okay with that you know they're they're they they posted a billion dollar loss but they had already told people that we're going to lose about a billion dollars and when when you know when that happens investors go oh yeah i mean they did what they we expected um we're good with that and so their stock prices went up by a one percent by losing a billion dollars and they're playing the long game here their investors are playing the long game and saying you know once we get those pesky cab companies out of business then we can make whatever money we want do you guys use uber i I have the one time when i needed to come from tennessee home and it was far from cheap um i don't i don't know what cab fares cost i you know i grew up in a driving state in texas everybody drives everywhere um, so I don't have that experience of what cabs fares cost, but uh, not too long ago, my, uh, both my wife's vehicle and mine needed some auto repairs and I was just going to do them both in the same day and take an Uber to work that day. Um, and I needed an Uber XL because I didn't want to get right in the backseat of a Ford Focus. So I looked up what an Uber XL would be for the 18 miles one way. And it was like $53. People are telling me that this is a bargain. I don't see it. Yeah, I it, it was for years I resented Uber. I I don't know why. I just it just didn't feel right to me. And my daughter, who was you know a typical sort of Gen Z or whatever whatever they call them now, um, was saying, "Oh, you should use Uber. You should travel with Uber. Put the app on your phone. You know all that sort of thing." And then one day I found myself in San Francisco. I was doing some work for the um, Unified School District there, which is right in the center of town. It's in the sort of where the courthouse is in San Francisco. And uh, I was staying at a hotel 
had to get to work, uh, had to get to the client site, went in there, did my work, needed to leave, tried to find a cab. <laughs> Good luck with that. There are no cabs in San Francisco anymore, at least not unless you want to wait 45 minutes for one to magically rock up anywhere near you. And that was my turning point, right? That's when I put the Uber app on my phone and I realized, well, you can't beat them, you got to join them. And ever since then, I've been amazed at the experience. I mean, you literally just go to your phone and say, get me a ride and then a car rocks up and it's, it's magic. And I thought, yeah, I, I get what this company is trying to do. Uh, you know. And then I did have a problem with uh, – I was in uh, Dallas and I had to get from the airport to my hotel, which I had a delayed flight. It was like one in the morning. And the only option I – well, I just literally worked out curbside from the airport, jumped in a cab, went to the hotel. The guy charged me nearly 50 bucks for what was a two-mile ride. And – at that point, I'm like, yeah, now I understand exactly why Uber exists because of these, you know, corrupt cabbies, you know. And then if you if you ever travel overseas, like in Mexico City, you can travel anywhere across the city for two bucks with Uber. And this is a city that has more taxi cabs in it than anywhere else in the world. Um, Uber, when they, when they work and when they do what they do, they do a bang-up job. Absolutely fantastic. But... In the United States, little by little, the price is starting to get out of control. And the cabs, they're not cheap. I mean, they've traditionally been twice the price of Ubers. But at the same time, Uber's inching up to be a cab company. And at that point, I'm not sure if there's enough advantage here anymore for them. So I don't know. I I like the idea of Uber. Um, I also like a decent cab ride with an honest cab driver. Show me one and I'll give them my business. But, you know, that's the problem, right? Mm. Yeah, honest cab driver. That'll be... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the the Uber, the one Uber ride I had, again, it was from Chattanooga, Tennessee to just outside of Atlanta. It was for, for five people in my family. It was, it was $300, which I don't know what a cab would have cost for that, um, but that was not cheap. Um, but I had you know, 90 minutes in the car with this person and we were talking about it. I was asking about Uber. And one of the things that, uh, that she told me was that the Uber drivers don't know where you want to go when they agree to take the call. So you, you say, you know, they, their app says this person is at this address. Do you want to pick them up? And you say yes. And then they go to the address and they report in, all right, I'm here. Then the app says where you want to go. So when I said I wanted to go, 130 miles away she was like uh <laughs> um and to her credit she did it but you know she didn't know that until she had showed up um and and my i was loading stuff into the car so that that doesn't seem like the right thing to do for for people so uh just curious and you don't have to share did you you tipped very well right i did I, because i was in a i I'm, i believe in tipping uh, I believe tipping is, is an important thing to do. And so, yeah, for the $300 ride, I think I tipped about 50 bucks. Um, so yeah, that's a thing. Okay. Um, so yeah, let's talk about tipping for just real, real quick right now. Tipping is not for that visit. Tipping is for the next visit, All right? When you go to a restaurant and your waitress doesn't serve you to the best of your ability or or did you don't think they served you properly and you leave a chintzy tip, the next time you go there, not only that waitress, but every other waitress in that restaurant is going to know who you are and you're not going to get stellar service. But if somebody's having a rough day and you give pretty poor, uh, get pretty poor service, but you give them a generous tip, the next time you go back there, not only that waitress, but every waitress in there will know that's the guy that tips big. Pro tip right there. Yeah. I, uh, well, there, there's something peer-to-peer about tipping. Like, you actually get that opportunity, which is kind of rare, where you can reward the service provider for quality work. And, yeah, we all have bad days. We all don't want to get out of bed. We all, you know, don't want to work. But if there's some little light at the end of the tunnel, some little pat on the back, some attaboy, something that just says, 
thank you, you know, because the boss probably isn't doing it. And if they're just living on a wage all the time, if you, if you go to any country that doesn't have tips and I come from one, the service is disgusting. It's horrible because all they want to do is show up, collect a paycheck and leave. They don't want to provide anything that's stellar. Um, and tipping provides a level of service that we forget is above global standards. The United States level of service is beyond good. And most of it is because it's incentivized at a peer-to-peer -peer level. So I'm a big fan of tipping. I would prefer to pay less for the product and pay more for the tip, but that's me. I used to be a real, really big fan of tipping, but one of the things that I, I still tip decent, at least I think I do, um, but I everything now has a tips thing you know it's like no i'm not going to tip you for cashing me out that's your job you know I'll, I'll tip a waitress i'll tip a server or something like that but tips for you know at the subway counter or whatever just for making this no i just uh, i don't know i just it it just almost seems whiny oh please tip me too when I, I don't know what do y'all think about that uh, I think the tip should be commensurate with the work done, right? So um, th the industry standard is like 15 to 20%, right? So, um, but I don't tip the pizza guy that if I order $50 worth of pizza, um, which, you know, family of five, that's not hard to do. Right. Um, I don't tip him, you know, $7 uh, on that because it's his job. He drove to me he he opened the door he handed me the pizza i do tip i usually three to five dollars uh but yeah I, th there are things like that the the guy at the the chinese restaurant that's doing the the hibachi for you you know and you go through there i tip him and i make sure he knows that i tipped him because i don't want spit in my food um <laughs> but <laughs> generally speaking yeah i'm not gonna tip um the barista for example i don't drink other people's coffee but anyway uh, that's not a thing that i would do because i don't see that as as service beyond your job and generally those people are actually paid a wage um it's the pure servers who just aren't paid a wage and then you know that's what they're living on yeah and right. i sort of think that maybe the worst the worst case of a tip is when it's a misused it's misused outside of its original intent like if you rock up to a counter to order food um directly with the cashier and they you know they're going to just give you the food you're just going up there to pay for it and collect the food and then they give you the bill and on the bill is the price and then a gratuity section and then the total and you don't and you feel bad about writing nothing in the gratuity i don't think you should feel bad about that because they're just a cashier they're not giving you anything other than handing you the food but if there's a waitress whose job is to go and get the food and bring it to your table and take care of you and make sure you're happy with it and then refill your drinks and all that other stuff, sure, there's, there's, there's a proper service being rendered, but not when it's just a, an assumption. And, and a lot of the times you see like the tip jar on the side of the counter, I, I still just have a problem understanding how you could expect to ask for more money for doing you know, a service you're already getting paid for when you're not really leaving the counter. But I don't know. There's probably people out there listening to this show, you know, fuming right now because they're, you know, working in some diner or something and this is how they, you know, make ends meet. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. If, I, if, if you're serving me at the table, I, I, I do tip well, but not when you're handing the food over at the counter. Sorry. I have seen um, servers at a place I frequent argue over who gets to wait on my table. And that's what a tip is for. Um, and, and that's because I have a history of over tipping these people time and time again. And I get amazing service everywhere. When I go to get my haircut, the, you know, I go to great clips, sport clips, something clips. I don't know what it is, but there's always, you know, a handful of girls there and, and they, they, they argue over who gets to cut my hair because they know I'm the guy that's going to tip them really well. Uh, and, you know, not that my haircut's pretty difficult. It's a couple of clippers. But, um, you know, I just I just think that's – it's a thing that I enjoy. I enjoy over-tipping people. 
to the point of, you know, for example, uh, if I'm at a, a, a buffet type restaurant and the bill is 10 bucks, I'll tip $20 on 10 bucks. Um, because I believe that much in over tipping people. Huh. I get huh. amazing service everywhere I go. <laughs> cool. Um, another thing I like to do is around Christmas time, usually before Christmas, like right after Thanksgiving, I'll go to the bank and I'll, I'll pull out, um, as many hundred dollar bills as I can afford that year. I, you know, I save up for it. It's my charitable giving. And let's say five $100 bills. And I will, during the month between Thanksgiving and Christmas, leave five people a hundred dollar tip because, Whoa. you know, you never know how, I mean, I've, I had one, it was a, it was a haircut place and she burst into tears and said, my kids weren't going to have anything because I didn't have any money. You know, that, that tip's not about her. That made me feel so good to do that. That was a totally selfish thing to do. Um, and now I'm telling you about it. So I get extra credit. I'm being uber <laughs> selfish about this. It's not, it's not, uh, altruism at all. I just like doing it and I save up. I plan for it throughout the year. It's, I, there's a line item in my budget for giving obsessive tips. Huh. Cool. All right. Enough about that. Um, iTunes may be going away, says Apple. Does anybody care? Uh, actually, I care a lot. I'd be super happy to see it go. Well, I, you know what I'm worried about is podcasts because the entire podcasting industry uses iTunes as the master directory. Um, other sites and other services out there have tried to compete with this, but because Apple was the pod of podcasts, you know, the iPod, um, by pure tenure, they've become the default directory of all things podcast. So if you wanted to find a podcast, the only place these days you can go where you can get everything is going to be iTunes. Um, if they get rid of iTunes, which they appear to be going to be talking about tomorrow at the Worldwide Developers Conference, who takes over the, the vast directory of all podcasts? It'll, it'll happen. I don't know who. Uh, Stitcher or Slack FM or one of those guys uh, will do it. Um, I, I wonder if... I mean, we have said many times on the show that, that, you know, go leave us a review on iTunes because if it's going to be seen anywhere, that's where it's going to be seen. But most apps now scrape multiple directories. And so you don't necessarily need to be on iTunes to show up. Um, and I don't know that it's necessarily the place for discovery anymore. It is the place for reviews. Um, and honestly, reviews on pad podcasts don't seem to be very valuable at all. Uh, but I don't think Apple's going to dump the podcast directory or the iTunes directory, they're just going to dump the piece of crap software and they're probably going to break it out into the podcast app, the TV app and the, the music app and just leave it that way. So the directory will still be there. That's, that's what I think anyway. Yeah. Because you know, in, in a lot of ways it's like iTunes university that used to just be iTunes. They broke it out into its own thing and now it's iTunes U. So, you know, it will probably be iTunes or iCast or something stupid like that because it's got to have an I in it or, you know, I don't know, Apple doesn't get paid or whatever. So it, I think that's probably what's going to happen is just it's going to be they're just going to break it apart in a way that's good because, you know, iTunes is is a beast hog um, of of infinite proportions. So if they can do something to chisel away at it and make their services good, you know, go, go them. And then maybe, uh, it won't destroy every windows machine it gets put on. I think it's, it's it, go ahead. I think it's very likely that whatever the thing is, won't run on a PC. It will be a, 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 iPod device only. Um, and I think that's how they're going to try to insulate the market. That, that was my question too. Um, this could turn around. We're, you know, we're seeing some very interesting changes in the, I guess, the DNA of technology. Um, the one that comes to mind right now is Windows announcing they want to use a Linux subsystem on upcoming Windows 10 versions this year. Um, that's 
a total 180 degree directional change from a company that used to be so anti Linux. Um, do you, you know, the Mac with iTunes, they were very uh, hesitant to produce a Windows version of iTunes. And when they did, as you rightly say, Seth, they created a bloatware hog of an app that, you know, doesn't run very well at all. But they wanted to sell U2 albums to Windows users or something. So you had to have it. Um, if they if they go Apple centric and iTunes is only going to work for Apple devices, I think it could be the death knell of them. Um, the reason I say that is that they haven't innovated in any way in technology compared to their competitors um, in the last two three years. There's not, and I mean, you know, it sounds so cliche, but sort of the since Steve Jobs died, Apple's done nothing really great. Yeah, it's actually true. They haven't produced anything that's innovative. Their operating systems are just another version of the same thing. Their laptops now have a touch bar nobody uses. That's about it. Their desktops don't even keep up with, you know, the advancements in processor uh, technologies. Uh, and I know, look, all these Apple fanboys that if there's any listening to this show, I'm surprised. But uh, <laughs> if, you know... Apple fanboys are going to be like, oh, no, they've done all this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, they really haven't. And at the, some point, if they're starting to change things that actually did create profit for the company in terms of margin on selling, you know, CDs and music and whatever else they're doing, that could be the end of it for these guys. Um so I think if they're going to do a get rid of iTunes and put something else out, it's got to be a completely platform independent. Everybody can use it. You don't have to be an Apple, part of the Apple ecosystem or Apple's dead. At least that, that's kind of my take on it. I think they make so much money off of their service stuff now because they, you know, they get their 30% because they, you know, took somebody else's idea of an app store and made it popular um, that they don't really care anymore. And they're just sitting on so much cash that what do they care? They're just like, ah, you know, Hey guys, let's do some. No, we got plenty of money. We got stupid people buying our crap. You know, why <laughs> should we put effort into making good stuff when people pay money for the crap still? So, well, you know, the, they just the, recently that was that new Google Pixel 3 XL or whatever they call it that came out. $399 phone with that spec. Unbelievable deal. Um, that is a 180 degree turnaround for an industry that was doing the, the north of a $1,000 phone thing. As you know, and Apple did that. Apple created that stupid you know, FOMO fiction of an iPhone um, and priced it north of a thousand bucks out of the reach of anybody, particularly in a foreign country where economies are not necessarily as liquid. Um, that was, you know, their way of doing things. And Google's come around and slapped them around the back of the head with a $399 phone that probably would outperform an iPhone 10. So at this point, I, you know, again, another example of where Apple could be on their death knell. I mean, I, I know people have said that for decades and they've always managed to come back. Yeah, because they had Steve Jobs. They don't have Steve Jobs anymore. You know, Tim Cook is not going to turn this company around. If they screw up, which it looks like they are intending on doing, I don't think anybody can pull them back from that. I don't know. I've, I have lost too many bets betting against Apple. Um but I will say, just to remind you, that the Pixel 2 was a $1,000 phone. So, you yeah. know, th this this may be an experiment in Google in subsidizing their own hardware to try to, to shoehorn it in. I don't know what the story is there. Um, but Apple could absolutely play that game. They've got enough cash in the bank. They could subsidize their own hardware, and the next iPhone could be a $400 iPhone. Um, but they don't need to do that because everybody gets their iPhone for free. Right, they go to the they go to the AT and T store and they tack on twenty bucks more a month for your thing and you get a free phone and that's that's how most iPhone people get their iPhones. They the price is irrelevant to them because they're not paying it, or at least they they don't realize they're paying it. They're actually paying a ton of money because they're paying forever on this thing. 
Um, but yeah, most people are riding that two-year upgrade cycle and not really caring about how much a phone costs. Yep. Man, I erg. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I there's got to be something because we can't keep doing it the way we've been doing it. And I say that, but yet why are we going why would we change? You know, is there an impetus to change anywhere? I haven't I haven't found it if there is. So Well, there's a Mark's right in explaining it that way because it, that's exactly what's going on. Uh, people don't feel the pain because if you, you know, you get it every month and it's just a little $20 additional cost or whatever, or even $50, you know, you think of that as, well, the price of a couple of pizzas or, you know, it's not gonna, really going to hurt. Well, it, it does hurt when you increment and add it up because you're doing this probably 10 times over and all of a sudden it's becomes real money. But um, yeah, that little, you don't feel the pain so much because you're paying for it bit by bit. Yeah, that might be okay if it's just you, but if you've got a family of five people and, you know, the, the husband, the wife, and maybe the, the kids have all got phones, you're, you're cutting a ma- massive check every month. I mean, that's starting to really eat into, you know, you're getting up there and uh, that's the price of my property taxes kind of, kind of range. Um, it's an unfortunate situation because it's, it's an illustration of the exact same problem that I think we have with things like healthcare when healthcare costs are uncompetitive because they're so expensive. Uh, rather than addressing the cost factor and finding a way to do something more efficiently, cheaper, and more competitively, we focus our attention on who's going to pay rather than what you're actually paying for. And and I would say with a phone, I mean, come on, it's a phone. <laughs> it's a phone. It's a little phone. Yeah, okay, it's got a processor and it can do nice things and you can play video games on it. But it's a phone. I mean, is it a $1,000 computer? No, it's a phone. But no one's pointing the finger at the manufacturer going, get this price down. Come on. This is ridiculous. Precisely. We, we have circled this drain a number of times over the, really the last 18 months. And it all comes down to people are too comfortable with buying things they can't afford. Um, if I can afford the payment that counts as affording it. No, it doesn't. And until we break that cycle, none of these other cycles can be broken. People have to understand what a thing actually costs. Once they understand that, and then they have to understand what they actually bring home. Most people couldn't tell you what their take-home pay is. They might tell you what the the net is, you know, on the check they get every month, but they don't know what they're paying in taxes. They don't know what they're paying in, in uh, you know, like you said, property taxes. They, they don't have any idea that a good 40% of the average American's take-home pay isn't actually taken home. And so until people understand that, none of these problems are going to go away. Yeah, bottom-up math. Yep, there's – there's, and, you know, and the thing is it's so much easier. It Changing people is hard. And so, you know, are we going to fix – are we going to fix our healthcare system? You know, no, because that would be that would be impossible. So instead, we're just going to create money so you can buy into a broken system so there's no need to fix it. You know, and we're going to subsidize it with our children's future um, by the government paying for it and the government's not paying for it. Your children's government is paying for it. And, you know, one of these days, because there's so much wealth flowing out of the working people of America that the number one economy in the world is all of a sudden going to dry up because nobody has any more money to buy stuff because it's servicing all the crap that was bought before that wasn't needed, you know, and people like who follow Dave Ramsey's plan to get stuff paid off. Okay. That's great. But we as a country despise Dave Ramsey because you know, we, he preaches personal responsibility and we don't want that. Well, we say we want it, but what we want more is the new iPhone and it doesn't matter what the specs of the iPhone, you you could make it a dual core processor with 640 K of Ram and call it the iPhone 15. And there would be lines out the door to buy it. And everybody would say how great it is because it's two one thousandths of a centimeter wider than the previous model. And that would be the feature that would be talked up. 
And so who cares that we can't afford it? Who cares that we don't need it? We have it and it looks pretty. So go America. Well, you know, the, the biggest uh, thing that slows down productivity and in innovation and creativity is debt. And people forget that. But if you're a business and you have a great idea, but you're slugging around a, a, a debt load and that you have to sort of work, like, I mean, bring it down to a personal level, right? Let's say I'm an inventor and I've come up with this great idea in my, in my garage and I want to sell it on TV and get a patent and all this sort of good stuff. I'd love to go and, and go all in on that because maybe it's the cure to cancer. Maybe it's the, you know, maybe it's antimatter gravity or who knows what it is, but I've invented this thing and I want to make it happen. How can I do that when I'm slugging around a mortgage and student loan payments and, uh, and healthcare uh, costs and, and credit card debt? I have to go and get a job, right? Just to service that debt. So my idea stays in the garage. It never comes out. That, that principle magnified up is a corporate problem. They don't have any R&D money, so they go and buy other companies to try and get the R&D you know, out of them if they can find them. But we're running out of that because we've got too much debt load out there. So yeah, I'm with you, Seth. There's the advantage of freedom from no debt is more to do with you get real freedom, right? Where you can actually choose what you want to do with your life and where you want to spend your time. Uh, and that's a great thing, but you're going to be you, you're chipping away at that. You're removing that option every time you go and pay T-Mobile fifty bucks extra a month for your iPhone. Yeah, and I really think the only thing left to to say after that is Seth. What happened this week in history? All right. Well, not a lot, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I was scouring the web, so uh, but I wanted to let you and the. Element OP audience nation out there know that on May the 30th, 1996, AT&T announced a video phone call system. So they held a meeting to announce a system that would allow personal computers to make and receive video phone calls over standard telephone lines. Uh, it was a culmination of years of effort. And so it would go over ISDN T1 or T3 using compression software. But 1996, and really, it's something that never materialized they just announced it so but think about that 96 so over 20 years ago they had something that would allow video phone calls this is really i mean the talk about a baby World Wide web there was no google uh back then there was no amazon yahoo was merely a collection of links that uh, the guys who found the company like there was no organization of what would the killer app that the World Wide Web would become. Yeah, I don't think anything you. will come of it. No. I, I think it's a dead technology. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember those ads. Uh, it was part of the Tom Selleck "You Will" ads. You remember the those ads? They they talked about have you ever paid your toll at sixty miles an hour? You will. Have you ever yeah, video? Yeah. You will. Every one of those things that they did we are now doing today um not all of them brought by at&t right um you know yeah we do video conferencing now you know facetime uh google hangouts whatever there's lots of apps that do that but you know the the regular telephone lines of 1996 outside of you know little tiny places like where i live don't exist anymore yeah. So. so my kids, um, the oldest is 16. She still is in the texting realm, but the 14 and the 11 year old, um, they're all about FaceTime hangouts. You know, th their version of a phone call is a video call. They don't do audio only calls. They're, they're video calls or group video calls, you know, Snapchat, Instagram, what, whatever it is, they're using the technology to make video calls uh, ubiquitously. They don't make audio calls. Mm. Um, and so that is the future because it is the present of the people who will run the future. Um, and the, the old fuddy daddies like us who actually like to have an audio conversation, we're just going to die out like the dinosaurs. Yeah. Is that the future or is that merely the present? No, it's the future. I think telepresence will be the future. It, it may not always be FaceTime, but people will expect more than an audio only phone call from here on. Yeah. Can't disagree with that. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Uh, so, Seth, what do you have to close the show in style this week? All right. Well, Mark, this one uh, is possible danger zone for you. Um, it's called Play. 248-2048.co. And so you start out with these um, tiles on a square and you can use your arrow keys to merge similar tiles and you have to get a tile to equal 2048. They can only be the same. You can only do up, down, left, right. So, um, you know, and eventually if you don't do it right, the board will get filled up and then, you know, you'll lose. <laughs> so you're welcome, Mark. <laughs> And all of the other OPIs out there. Uh, I have I have wasted bazillions of hours on this game on Android. Um, and there's a there's a number of different versions of it. Um, and yeah, it is addictive, and it is simple gameplay. And I can't really talk about it because I'm too busy playing the game right now. Um, <laughs> you've you've just given a crack addict a hit, Seth. And um, I hope you are are happy with yourself about that. Well, you know, I'm not looking for a job. I'm looking for a better job. <laughs> so, <laughs> my revenge. Yeah, mine may be available soon because I'll be curled up in a fetal position going, just one more, just one more. I made it to 1024. Ah, oh, the humanity. All right, this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can feed back to us. Let us know what's going on, what you think, uh, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, what questions do you have about this nigh-on-nine-year-old show? Um, actually, I think I've been podcasting nine years. I think this show is more like seven years or something, maybe eight. I'd have to do the math on it, look it up. Three, 360 would be seven years of 50-episode-a-year shows, but we didn't do... 50 episodes a year and we took some gaps. So I don't know around seven years, seven, eight years. Um, but I'm sure you have questions like where did the music come from? Uh, let us know. I, I would, that would be an interesting question and answer sort of thing. We could do a whole show like that. Um, the way you can do that is click the, uh, go to elementopi.com, click the contact us button at the top of the page, answer the world's hardest captcha, fill out the form there and click send. And that will uh, send an email that gets nicely formatted and, and prioritized in my inbox. Or you can dial 559-IMOP and leave us a voicemail on our Google voice line, or you can send an email directly to the guys uh, at geekrant at elementopi.com. Um, and as always, the best thing you could do for us is tell other people about it. The second best thing you could do for us is throw money at us. Patreon.com slash Um, And we would appreciate that. Um, I guess I don't have anything else to say. Guys, anything else? Go team. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Not the best color man in the business for nothing, Monty. Uh, <laughs> I watched that movie again just last night. It still holds up. Um all right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. That's it for this episode of the Geek Rant. And remember, pay for what you like.